0: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Can three comedians write a winning rom-com screenplay? In Let's Make a Rom-Com from CBC Podcasts, Ryan Beale. Maddie Kelly, and Mark Chavez are busy in their writer's room. All Maddie has ever wanted is to write rom-com. And with Mark and Ryan in tow, the three comedians will explore what makes a romantic comedy a romantic comedy, the cultural impact of rom-coms, and whether three people with very different lived experiences can write a fresh contemporary and funny love story. Listen to Let's Make a Rom-Com everywhere you get your podcasts. This podcast contains spoilers for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. <laughs> What is this? A realm for ants? Hello, my <laughs> name is Jason Concepcion. And I'm Rosie Knight. And welcome to X Ray Vision, the crooked media podcast where we dive deep all the way down to subatomic size to the quantum realm to talk about your favorite shows, movies, comics, and pop culture.
1: In this episode, we are going to be riding on the back of giant ants to excavate the giant- truth. Subatomic ants—they're giant in the subatomic <laughs> right. realm, but Spoiler. if you, you couldn't see <laughs> yeah. them, if they were in real life, you yeah. Know? But but we will be on them, and we will be riding them into the airlock, where we will uh, talk about Aman and the wasp Quantumania with a spoiler-free reaction first and then a lot of spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, go see it. In Nerd Out, a theory from listener Grant about the location of He Who Remains Lair oh. in Loki Season 1. This is very good. We, I've actually gotten a lot of DMs with people who think about this. So Grant, I'm excited to hear it. And if you want to jump around, check the show notes for timestamps. Sorry if they're a little bit off. We're dealing with some ad insert issues, but we are trying our best. All right,
0: coming up next year, Locke. Stepping out of the airlock and into the quantum realm for Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania. First up, our uh, non spoiler reaction. It's fun. It's a very fun movie.
1: It's like a wild sci fi romp through the quantum realm and just the an unbelievable
0: performance from Jonathan Majors. There's, like, it, it will blow you away. I mean, that's really for me the headline is if there is an actor mm-hmm. other than Angela Bassett who could potentially one day be nominated for an Oscar off of a Marvel movie, I think it's Jonathan. No, me too. He's the most watchable person that's ever been in these movies. It
1: blows your mind and it is this emotionally driven, intense, scary, kind. I mean, look, We know, you know this. He's Kang the Conqueror. You've heard him talk about it. This is not a heroic portrayal, but I will tell you the whole way through the movie, I was just rooting for him. He is so human and incredible. And it's just a lot of fun. It's a tonal shift from the other Ant-Man movies, but you still get pops of that humor and that kind of low stakes. And if you love poppy sci-fi, weird creatures, Star Wars, Cantina, all that kind of good stuff, you're going to love it.
0: Yes, and again, Kang, Kang, Kang. I, Kang, I just, Kang, Kang, like, Kang, Kang, Kang. Jonathan Majors just has an ability to make you watch him when he's delivering any line, Oof. doing anything. And it gives his portrayal of Kang a real layer of, like, menace because you, there's, there's points in this film where you're like, I know he's the bad guy, mm-hmm. but I want to believe everything he says Yeah, you want to believe him because he just puts himself across in such a
1: sincere, interesting way, but the movie's not afraid of showing you who Kang really is or who this iteration of Kang really is. His chemistry with Michelle Pfeiffer is incredible. Fantastic. She's so great as Janet. We get more Janet here, which was something that we'd both wanted. Really fun movie for Hank Pym. If you were listening to our podcast last week and you were like, we haven't got enough Hank in the Ant-Man <laughs> movies, guess what? This you're gonna be, you're gonna be charmed. You're gonna get so much
0: Hank. That is our Quick reaction, non-spoiler reaction to Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, up next. Spoilers! Spoilers, <laughs> folks. The spoiler-filled <laughs> recap. Uh, so go no further if you have not watched the film. Okay. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, directed by Peyton Reed, written by Jeff Loveness. Paul Rudd is our friend Scott Lang. Evangeline Lilly is back as the Wasp. Jonathan Majors, Kang the Conqueror. Michelle Pfeiffer is back as Janet Van Dyne, Michael Douglas, Hank Pym. Uh, And Catherine Newton as our third and final Cassie Lang. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's jump into our recap. Um, So we open in the quantum realm. This is a flashback to the time when Janet was trapped. Time works differently down there. So we have no idea how long she's been there or what is happening. But she sees a ship enter the realm and crash. She goes over to investigate and is attacked by... Um, Some sort of alien uh, creature that then splits into two alien creatures that then splits into four. Um, And she takes them out, but one gets the drop on her, and it's blasted off of her. Who saved her life but Kang? And he's like, where the hell are we? Um, We go back to the world, the above world. The above world. The real-size world. Where Scott Lang has basically been enjoying his life as a celebrity superhero who saved the world. And not only did he save the world, but he wrote a book about it. And he's happy (laughs) to talk about it anywhere and everywhere that people want to thank him and talk about it. Uh, we see him walking down the street in San Francisco. Everybody's like, Scott, oh my God, Scott, it's great. He walks into his uh, favorite coffee shop where he gets stuff for free. He goes to Baskin Robbins where he was once fired, but now is treated uh, as- like employee of the century. Employee of the century. People absolutely love him. We learn that Scott's daughter, Cassie, is- It's not that she's not doing great. It's more that she has very, very strong ideals mm-hmm. about- helping people who are who have been wronged and maybe who don't have the power to help themselves. And this has led to her being arrested. So Scott and Hope have to go bail her out. Um, and we also learn that uh, Cassie has a little bit, has a suit of her own and mm-hmm. she's been using it, probably irresponsibly because she's a kid.
1: Yes, yeah, she shrunk a cop car at a protest and uh, Scott's less than happy with it. Hope seems like vaguely proud, yeah. but you can tell Cassie's mad that Scott is no longer an active hero. Yeah, why
0: aren't you doing more heroic shit? The world needs She's you. She's like,
1: you literally saved the world, but that doesn't mean that there's nothing else left to do. She was at a protest to stop them sweeping homeless encampments. She is really the person here who's going to kind of have this moral arc to go on as the film goes forward.
0: Uh, they have a a, a family dinner. Uh, Cassie and Hank drop the pretty big news that they've been building a device that will allow communication in the form of, like, mapping of the quantum realm. Janet is like, you got to shut it down. Why, Janet? Well, I don't want to talk about it. Here's where I want to stop and say, Janet, you got to just come clean about some stuff that happened in the quantum realm before this point. She needed to be
1: more honest to them. But I also feel like the whole family is just constantly fucking around with the quantum realm. And she's like, I was stuck there for 30 years. It was very traumatic. Like, give me a break. And they're like, well, what if we just built this device that would take us to the quantum realm in our basement without you knowing? And she's like, uh, I'd rather you didn't do that.
0: <laughs> um Well, Janet uh tells them to shut it down, but it's way too late. And they're all sucked into dun, the dun, device dun. and they fall into the quantum realm. Hank, Janet, and Hope are separated from Scott and Cassie. And Janet leads the Pims uh, to an old friend named Krylar, played by Bill Murray, uh, who apparently was once a freedom fighter And what we are soon to learn is this land that is in the midst of trying to throw off the yoke of a dictator. Well, this guy Krylar, who used to fight alongside Janet, has sold out. And now he's like a rich guy. Um, he, they have a meeting with him about... Uh, about trying to reunite with Scott and Cassie. And he says, yeah, I know who they are, where they are, but um, unfortunately I have to hand you over to Kang. Um, but before that can happen, the trio escape and uh, hope through a, an embiggening pim Particle disc at the cocktail squid, like creature that was a delicacy that you drink in very horrific fashion, makes it grow into a large size squid that then takes revenge on Krylar. Uh, meanwhile, over at Cassie and Scott, they uh, let, find themselves in the midst of a group of freedom fighters, including a guy named Quaz, Yep. played by William Jackson Harper, who can read minds.
1: Spoiler alert, friends! Wasn't Quasar. I know a lot of fans were we hoping thought... it was. It also was Very not two Nath- letters it, away. Wasn't Nathaniel Richards, who I was hoping it was, but it was William Jackson Harper, and he can read minds, and he's sick of it. He's absolutely sick of it.
0: Gentora. Yes, uh, who we spoke about last
1: week, who is the niece of Hulk's love interest. That's right.
0: Jerella, in the by, Microverse played by Katie M O'Brien and is basically ripped straight from the pages of the
1: Yeah, comics. and just like a total warrior
0: badass.
1: Like she will fight through anything and she's not having any of Kang's shit. And
0: Veb played by David Desmalchin and so the, the freedom fighters are kind of not very trustful of Cassie and, and Scott. Yeah, they think they're spies. They're yeah. like, why
1: would you just turn up here? Who are you? Also, interestingly, they know nothing about the world above. They don't know about Earth. They don't know what exists. They don't know anything outside of this kind of, this is the
0: subterranean quantum realm underneath the quantum realm that we have seen before. It's a fully realized other universe. Mm-hmm. And Scott's trying to you make them understand we come from this other realm where we're a lot bigger. Him and Cassie and are doing yeah. some really funny like talking each other a banter, we're bigger, yeah. but we're not bigger. And na-na. Quest is like, uh, they're telling the truth, but I have no idea. He's what like, they about. know
1: nothing. Uh,
0: meanwhile, uh, Kang has sent his uh, ultimate killing machine, I guess. <laughs> uh, a machine... <laughs> what do we, what only designed for uh,
1: killing. Uh, no, me- wait, wait. Mechanized no. organism. organism designed only for killing.
0: Modoc. No, Modoc. <laughs> uh, and Modoc attacks the uh the Freedom Fighter Camp and absolutely raises it mm-hmm. uh to the ground.
1: Using his cosmic beam, his cosmic blade, he's got it's like these laser violent. he's got
0: these laser saw blades and the whole thing. Modoc, it turns out, is our good friend Darren Cross, the uh the former CEO of uh of Pym Technologies, he took over from Hank Pym and kind of usurped his power, and was uh, attempting to duplicate his technology, which he was going to sell, you know, to various countries that wanted to weaponize this technology. But then, of course, he was defeated, and we thought sucked into some kind of like subatomic realm to disappear forever. But clearly, he survived but with his head all huge and his little baby arms and, and little baby
1: legs. And I will say, this is a we were right, because yes. we did theorize when they revealed that it was uh, Corey Stoll and Darren Cross, that what had happened was he'd got sucked in and when he ended up in the quantum realm, he essentially was just left with his head being bigger than everything else. That was right. And we also were suggesting last week that perhaps instead of AIM being the ones who would control and create him and kind of turn him into MODOK, it was Kang. And that was also right. And... Uh, what I did not see coming is that you get to see like a little Modok butt shot. Uh, that
0: was, that, that was, was so funny. That was
1: like I was a I was a fan. He's of got a very MODOKs.
0: tall butt.
1: Yeah, he has. It's a it's a little Modok butt when he's getting pulled out and put into his his chair it's of like, power. It's
0: like very narrow but tall. Yeah,
1: very Gudetama ish, like yeah. a egg
0: with a butt. Cassie and Scott are captured. The rebels are routed, and Cassie and Scott are taken to meet Kang. Over at uh, Janet and Hank and Hopeland, Janet is finally like, okay, here's what happened. There's this guy, Kang. He landed. I helped him out. His ship was broken down. It needed gas. I helped him get (laughs) gas for his ship. Yeah, and that gas
1: was this swirling uh, band of light that many people, including myself, thought could be the Ten Rings, could be something that Fastos built. But in this case, they were almost like uh, taken from a clock- And they are the core that pushes Kang's time chair through multiverses. And Janet was able to help him, which I feel like is going to come into play in the future. Like, you're going to have to have a Janet on the Avengers who knows how to make a time chair, because she knows. But so
0: right when... The, the ship is, the chair is gassed all the way up. And they are like friends. Yeah, Ken they is like, hey, connected. They're is going it. home. We're going home. This is, and
1: you don't know how long it is. You're Janet back, says-
0: You're going back to, to the second door. you left.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and the craziest thing is, you don't know, Janet said it was ages. This could have been most of her time in the quantum realm. This is someone she spent so much time with. She told him about hope. They shared their lives. They had this deep connection. This is a ship that I now ship. And- I mean, that- Let's that,
0: talk, about, yeah, let's that for talk the, about that. So, so part of the reason apparently the Janet didn't want to talk about the quantum realm was won the war. I guess it was very traumatic. Lots of people died. Okay, I and get she it. T- she blames could, herself. Yeah, but you could mention that. The second thing, more understandable, is she fucked Krylar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Which that is unbelievable. When did she fuck Kryler? No, <laughs> I do not believe it. She was but like she admitted she fucked Kryler. She was
1: like she was like sorry, Hank. A woman has needs. I'm like this is misogyny. You're getting it from Kryler. It would have been Kang. I see yeah, the, the that. Chem-
0: that to me is like the chemistry. You fucked Kang. Just the and then also you that that's, why you're se-
1: that's why you keep it a secret, right? Because you literally had sex with like an Kang? evil warlord.
0: But Kang rearranged and, my spine. Yeah, like, Hank. Literally, You want to know what happened? You want to know why I don't want to talk about the quantum realm? Because Kang rearranged the alignment had, of like, my hips. T- we
1: had time sex, and it was, you could never even compare. It was sex through the multiverse. And the truth
0: he's is... He's seen every kind <laughs> of sexual technique throughout every, every time. time. He's seen it all in every. Every timeline. <laughs> and the truth yeah, is... He's read every Cosmo 20 tips that will blow <laughs> his mind. He's done it all. Hey. Every Kama Sutra from every universe. You can't... Possibly. possibly and hang coaches. measure up
1: <laughs> and the thing is like the chemistry is actually there. Like, between right, I agree. between Michelle and Bill Murray is like... Just admit you fuck Kang. Yeah, it was Kang. That's my headcanon. I agree, because like, why else not say anything? It doesn't make any... And also, like, the, the tender moments that they shared together. I fixing, really you know, did. doing, like, sexy ship building all the time. And then, like, why sitting with their legs, the touching, yeah. talking about
0: their former lives. I Drinking. Don't- There's that one scene where they're just like, they're... Oh, yeah, ugh, and they're sweating, sitting right next to each other, and, like, passing... A, the sleeve mm-hmm. of water back and forth. What are you so out of breath for? Yeah, we are so tired? How? What are you doing? What have you been doing, guys? What's been, going, What's been on? going on? Come on. X-ray vision will be back. We're excited to announce the return of Stuck with Damon Young, an original podcast from Crooked and Spotify. On this show, award-winning author Damon Young has returned for more off-the-cuff conversations. Don't put that shit on the cuff. Inspired by today's most culturally relevant headlines and roundups of Damon-approved listener submitted questions, the first episode is live now. You're going to love this show. Listen to Stuck with Damon Young for free, only on Spotify. Dare we say merch has entered the chat, and for their first merch drop, they want to do something that literally everyone needs, a hat that says, tough titties. As the old saying goes, tough titties say the kitty when the milk went dry. You know it, right? It's the vibe, it's a motto, and now it's a hat. They made them just for you and think you'll love them. Check them out now at crooked.com store. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and
1: this is your wake-up call.
0: And we're back. Janet helps Kang gas up the chair. And then she touches the chair. And because the chair is so linked with Kang's mind, he, there's no controls. He controls it with his thoughts. She is able to touch his thoughts. And she then realizes, oh, my God, Kang is a multidimensional, genocidal warlord who has wiped out trillions upon trillions of life forms, entire timelines, destroyed because of this guy Kang uh, and she can't it's such a stunning reveal that she can't hide it like no. he looks at her and he knows immediately and that is like, happening. yeah happened. He, he's like
1: oh you saw it Janet <laughs> yeah. he's like sorry Janet but he, he offers her he says to her and this is like a great character moment for Janet because he basically says to her he's like you can just forget about it He's like, no, I can actually, don't worry about it. he's like, not even that. I can make you forget that you even know. He's don't like, you can just go it. home. You'll never have left and you will not know anything about the terrible things that I did. Yeah, it's it's really wild stuff. And one of the best, my favorite, one of my favorite Jonathan Majors moments in a movie that's absolutely full of them. Janet, she's kind of quizzing him and she says to him like, what are you going to do when you get out of here? She, right. I'm sure she wants him to say like, I'll make him Not destroy so, yeah, your universe. And, 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 and he looks at the camera and they do a full face close up of Jonathan Majors and he goes,
0: win. And she's like, nope. <laughs> I, I, I do like this kind of reading of Kang that he's just like, he's in it. You know, he's in it for the thrill of competition. Yeah. He's like the Michael Jordan of destroying he's, timelines. He, exactly.
1: He's pissed off at his fucking fellow Kangs and he's like, no, I, I must succeed. It has to be me.
0: I and so I, I, you know, you could see Janet being like, "Well, if I invite you back to my world, you're gonna fight everybody, right? Like you're gonna." Destroy and he's like, it. "Not your world." Let me ask you a moral question. So Kang, you meet up Kang in the quantum realm. Things may or may not happen, mm. and then he's like, "I'll deliver you back to your world," and he insists that I'm not going to kill your universe, but I will kill other universes. Do you go back? Look,
1: morally, <laughs> morally, the answer is no. But, right, morally, the answer is no. no. But it is. I'm also not Janet. Yeah, I, I'm gonna be real with you. What do this I is, out of the universe? Jo- this is Jonathan Majors Kang. I'll be like, I'll come sit in that time chair with <laughs> you. you. It's like it's counter. like when it's like when Shuri was like, oh no, no more. I I can't like I can't burn down do the world. And I'm like, why? Like yeah. they literally destroyed your whole family. Like this is a this is a gift. So yes, morally, don't don't let him do it. And obviously, you'd have to live with that right. your whole rest of your life. It would be terrible. So um, it's bad times. So
0: Janet is like, okay, I can't consign my universe to uh, to the depredations of Kang the Conqueror, so therefore I am going to take the energy core that I helped gas up and I'm going to steal it from him and uh, Kang gives chase, but then Janet hits it with... the the Pym embiggen particles Mm -hmm. and turns it into this huge kind of swirling vortex of energy and time dilation and everything, and now Kang is trapped. And Kang, now that he's trapped, decides, well, I might as well just conquer the quantum realm and then goes about doing that. And builds this unbelievable empire. like The implication
1: is that really what we see as the quantum realm now is mostly... Kang doing there was people who lived there and there were communities but Kang is the one who's made it this kind of bustling technocratic like kind of space obviously through nightmarish dictatorship there's lots of like fascistic you know paintings of him on the wall he made cops who were like I guess robot cops you know some some kind of blue-faced cops so yeah he's not he's not doing very nice things there
0: Old Kang. Over at uh, Kang's headquarters, Kang meets Scott and Cassie, who are in prison. Scott tries to bluff and is like, oh, you fucked up. This time dude. I'm an Avenger. I'm an Avenger. I like, called I the wanna, other Avengers. Yeah, we're coming. I don't want to flash my badge, but that's what's going on. And Kang's like, "Oh, I've killed the Avengers." Yeah, he was Literally, like, I "Have I killed count. you before?" Yeah, I can't even count the amount of times I've killed the Avengers. Are, are you Thor? And uh, Scott has a funny joke about, uh, you know, people—they uh, uh, confuse us. Yeah, all they the confuse time. us. All it's the our time.
1: body types; they're so similar. So Kang uh,
0: says to Scott, "Hey, you have a you have a solution to my problem, which is." my embiggened energy core for my ship, you can shrink it down. And I would like you to help me shrink it down. I'd like you to go in there, shrink it down for me. And if you'll do that, I will let you and your daughter live and you can go leave and do whatever. But if you don't do it, I'm going to kill her. And then to kind of you know show how powerful he is, he just makes a couple of gestures with his very, very futuristic and extremely powerful power suit. Kang Cruciatus curses Cassie. Like she's like up and she's she's in a lot of she's pain. Paralyzed, and she's she's upside down. Yeah. He's like bending her arm back. And, and Scott is like, fine, I'll fucking do it. And he goes off and he dives into the energy, the huge energy core.
1: Yeah, and this is very interesting. I will stop here because this is just for people who find this kind of, this is one of those things that we always talk about as fans. This is very different from what they showed us in the trailer. In the trailer, they kind of cut <clears throat> the dialogue to make it seem like, Scott was going to make a deal with Kang to get back the time that he wanted from Cassie, like that he'd missed with Cassie. But I'm glad that that wasn't the route they went. I think that was a bit of a red herring because Scott would never do that. But what happens is Cassie is there, so he knows he'll do anything to save his daughter. And that kind of pits him against what Hank and Hope and Janet are trying to do, which is get the core and take it away so Kang can't have it.
0: So in the core, Scott starts splitting off into... All the countless versions of himself from all the other timelines. There's, they They mostly all look like him, but then there's a Baskin Robbins Scott. I guess the Scott that never left. <laughs> Baskin, Baskin Robbins, Robbins. yeah. Uh, and Scott is, you know, they, they all form kind of like an ant body structure, like an ant tower mm-hmm. where that that Scott, you know, yeah. When he hits up.
1: Cassie. They all join together because the only thing that they want is to save Cassie. Before that, they were all freaking out. Every single version of him is like a different possibility of what could happen. But the one thing that they all share is they all want to save Cassie.
0: So he's climbing towards the core, but he can't quite get to it. And just then, Hope, Hank, and Janet arrive in Krylar's stolen ship. And Hope dives into the core. And she is able to, uh, together with Scott, um, help him shrink down the core back to normal size. MODOK, then, while this is all going on, attacks uh, Hank in the ship and is uh, eager to take revenge against Hank, his former mentor, who he now hates because he's an embiggened head with little baby legs and little baby arms sitting in a chair and, I guess, just, like, pooping himself all the time. (laughs) Later, Hank tells Scott that... uh, he was saved by ants (gasps) and that, yes, these are his ants from his lab when everything in the lab was sucked into the quantum realm along with Hank, Hope, Scott, uh, and Cassie. uh, And that the ants, because of the time dilation in the quantum realm, lived like a thousand years of time in in a minute span of time. And in that thousand years that passed in the blink of an eye, they evolved into this super smart socialist race of like, technologically technologi- advanced yeah technocratic
1: ants. ants and it's incredible and hank is really like there's a lot of fun to be had this movie with kind of hanks previous comic book history, which we talked about a little bit. Hank could control ants with the helmet that he created and he beat Loki with ants. And this movie, they really lean into that. Janet rags on him about it. Hope rags on him about it. Like this man just loves ants. He loves them. He loves them. And you see, and he's so proud of his ants now. And he is like love. He probably, if he had a choice whether to leave or to stay with the ants, I think he'd probably choose to stay with the ants.
0: So uh, Kang has the uh, now shrunken down core, ready to put in his ship, and he's making preparations to uh, leave and invade uh, the above realm, which we can only assume to be Earth. He's taking his entire empire with him. Meanwhile, Cassie manages to escape from her holding cell, and she finds Gentura, who's also being held somewhere, and together they start freeing all the prisoners inside Kang's headquarters, and in a Captain America addressing S.H.I.E.L.D. over the P.A. at the end of Winter Soldier moment, she is like, hey, now is our time. We need to strike. Let's start the rebellion. She uh, basically sends this broadcast, hijacks Kang's broadcast, sends it all across the microverse. Excuse me. Sends it all across (laughs) the quantum realm. It's the same thing. And starts an insurgency.
1: Yes, it's very cool. And everyone knows this is always what happens. But the freedom fighters emerge. They go up against Kang. And it seems like... It's a rise of Skywalker. It's a rise so, of. It's yeah. like
0: huge. Like and and you know they they came. It's kind of this huge moment. There's the insurgency. They come. Scott charges. Kang's uh, eternal city. He's, uh, he's oh he's like, giant. He's giant. He's like a hundred feet tall. He's smashing through. It seems like he might get all the way through to him, but he doesn't. And then Kang says to Scott, like, "What did you fucking think you were gonna do? You think you're gonna beat me? You can't beat me. You talk to ants." And that is the moment when dun, dun, dun. all the ants all come. All the ants come. And some of the ants are absolutely huge. They some are- of them are wearing like
1: sick armor yes. and they're like communicating. And Hank's there with his little red scarf on looking like he's leading a army of socialist ants. It's very cute. I just have to shout out, one of my favorite movies, everyone knows it. I'm not going to say Eternals. <laughs> okay, I'm wearing the I'm like, T-shirt. I'm like, no, I'm gonna say no. A What I was going to say is, I feel like the final battle draws really heavily from uh, Aquaman because in yeah, Aquaman- good, good call. The, the whole joke throughout the movie is like, oh, he talks to fish, like what a useless power. But the final battle is, he calls upon all the sea creatures and that is what enables them to- to kind of win. And you might be thinking, like, well, that's kind of wild that Kang just got beat by some ants. He, but you, you know, there's things are still coming. They, in the yeah, movie. so
0: Kang is like, he, he puts up a force shield, but the ants, there's just too many fucking ants, guys. Yeah, there's and so Modok, many ants. They sweep him away. Modoc comes in, helps uh, them break through his force field. Uh, but then is grievously injured by uh, his very, very brief fight with Kang. Uh, and the ants sweep everything away and our heroes are left looking at the broken body of MODOK who is dying and he's like oh my god like uh, I finally did something good at least I died in Avenger and Scott and Hope are like yeah that's
1: right but sure yeah you definitely died yeah. in Avenger and he's like you were always a brother to me Scott and Scott's like
0: yes yeah we did yeah. it so the thought is now okay Kang's gone we did it this is fucking great let's get out of here so Janet is able Uh, in Kang's uh, control room to open up another portal back to the world. They all jump through. Scott is about to jump through, but guess who's there? It's fucking Kang. And his suit is shredded now, so he's not as powerful as he once was. But his muscles are powerful. He's obviously jacked, and his suit can do a little stuff, and he basically beats the living tar out of Scott Lang Mm -hmm. for a period of time, but then Scott manages you know, to basically destroy the core once again, to embiggen it, and can uh, gets sucked into the core and disappears, but it also destroys the portal. And this basically leaves Scott and Hope trapped in the quantum realm. Hope had jumped back through to try and help Scott. In the end of the movie, Cassie is able to rebuild her quantum tunneling device, her quantum communication device, and they bring... Scott and Hope back to the world, and we see Scott enjoying San Francisco as if he never left. It seems as if he was deposited back, like, almost the very day that he had previously Which, by
1: the way, is suspicious, because we know that time works differently in the quantum realm, so that's already should be a hint. Yeah. And then we get what is probably, like, my favorite joke slash moment in the movie, because they play it so well. These were the pickups that I'm pretty sure I saw them filming in San Pedro when I went to get my phone screen fixed. (laughs) And... uh, and Scott is walking, and he's talking about being an Avenger. And suddenly, Ruben from the coffee shop knows who he is. He's the Bug Man. He's not Spider Man. That means he doesn't get a free coffee. Has to pay twelve dollars. San Francisco prices. And then they zoom in on Scott's face, and they drop this absolutely just existentially horrifying score. When Scott's like, "Oh wait, Kang's gone, right? Yeah, we beat him, didn't and, we?" And he's like, it's great." He's like, "Wait a minute, I think I remember Kang saying." that something bad was coming. And if we didn't let him out, we it would, would all die. And he's like, but we did let, not let him out and he died. So I think that's okay. Right. And he did, getting sucked into the portal would have killed him, right? It wouldn't have just sent him somewhere else because that would probably be a problem. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, like so many of us who suffer from anxiety do, he's like, don't worry about uh, it. Actually, it's that's fine. fine. That's and then fine. he goes off and has like a charming dinner with his family and everything's great and he's kind of making up to Cassie for all the birthdays he missed by doing a, a fake birthday dinner,
0: then we go to Stinger Number One. Boom, boom, boom! It is. Uh, we see Immortus, we see Ramatut, and we see a younger kind of Alita Battle Angel. Yeah, let's Kang. talk about this. So, who is that Kang? It's my. Th- I think it's either Kid Immortus. Yep. or the Iron Lad.
1: I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that it's a very different design. We. We pretty much covered, like, the main Kang variants, and there are not, like, many that are fully fleshed out outside of just, like, some fun Council of Kang appearances. So I think you're right. I think it's it would be really cool if it was Kid Immortus. He looked kind of young. He was wearing this, He's like, you said, Battle Angel Alita yeah. skinhead. Iron Lad would be awesome. I would love to see them do that storyline. Would also be really another Young Avengers character when we've gotten Cassie in this movie. Yeah. It could be, like, Chris pointed this out where it's, like, it could be a kind of modified Scarlet Centurion costume yeah, because that. that's the other major character. But in this scene, the other two characters, Immortus and Ramata have the most like classic, like almost like Party City, and I mean that in a compliment. Like their costumes are
0: like they stuck directly, to the comic books. directly ripped from the like comics. they look.
1: So I I think that the idea of it being someone like Kid Immortus or Iron Lad makes a lot more sense than them redesigning the iconic Scarlet Centurion costume, which I will shout out once again.
0: So Immortus and Ramatut and the younger Kang, who is either the Iron Lad, Kid Immortus, or someone yeah. else, are like, hey, did you hear? He's dead. Who? Kang? The, the, and they basically are referencing Kang the Conqueror. Yeah, they're who like they the had, one
1: we banished.
0: They had banished to the Quantum Realm, and they're like, this is fucking great. He's dead. Uh, And then they're
1: like, but aren't we all pissed we didn't kill him? Yeah, and they (laughs) are
0: kind of pissed that we didn't kill him. And then they start talking about, okay, but whoever did kill him, that's a problem because now they, and they say something to the effect of they are aware of the multiverse now. Uh, Basically saying the heroes of Earth... Kind of know about the multiverse, and that might be a problem because it threatens our vast uh, intertime empires that we have all built, and therefore they have gathered all of the Kangs together in this vast place to have uh, to basically call the Council of Cross Time Kangs to yeah. just vote on what their next move is.
1: And I will say something that's really important to kind of touch on here as well is so Kang the Conqueror. We saw the horrific things that he did. But when he explained it to Janet and later on when he was monologuing to Janet in a really nice kind of echo of the He Who Remains stuff, he claimed he was doing it to protect other worlds from these other Kangs. He felt like they were conquering too much and he had to stop them and they were trying to stop him. So there's this kind of constant battle, which is key to Kang. But when Scott said to him, what's coming? He said, me, like lots, lots of me. me. Yeah. And so we're now seeing, I'm not defending what Kang did, I don't know the horrors that he wrought, but we are definitely seeing an immediate ripple effect of these giant council of cross time Kangs by like, you know, two icons, Walt Simonson and John Buscema yeah. from Avengers 292. Like we are seeing that come to fruition immediately. Like this is gonna be a problem for the Avengers and it's not just gonna be one Kang that turns up one time and another one, they are together and there are thousands of Kangs here.
0: Now, what maybe muddies the waters a little bit is Kang mentions that one of the main threats alongside all the versions of him is incursions. He says specifically incursions, Mm -hmm. which, you know, for people who have uh, read New Avengers, Hickman's New Avengers and uh, Avengers Illuminati and the time runs out, timeline will understand that this is a reference to the smashing together of various dimensions into the Earth 616 dimension and the choices that some of the kind of the main superheroes of the 616 universe, the choices, the hard choices that they Mm -hmm. have to make to save the 616 universe. So, and of course, we've seen an image of Incursions previously, so it seems like whatever uh, whatever the effect of all of these Kangs is, it will be tied up with these potential incursions of various dimensions smashing into the Earth definitely. And this dimension. is going
1: to lead into, you know, this is like you know Kevin Feige calls it the multiverse saga. Like this is going to lead into whatever reason we get to Secret Wars. This is it, Kang Dynasty. You know, he even says it, the Kang Dynasty, and then Cassie like breaks through him. You know, this is our big moment where we meet the people who are gonna cause it. And every single one of them is Jonathan Majors, and I love it. There's <laughs> yeah. every kind of Jonathan Majors, they are hyped up. This is like a sports event. There's a Skrull at the end who's like, is it Lizard Kang? Is it uh is it a Kang who's a Skrull? Like it's very interesting and fun. And if you love the Council of Kangs and you love these kind of deep cut, like Marvel cosmic stuff, you will be very happy with that
0: scene. Yeah, it's very Avengers forever it feels like the launch to Avengers forever I definitely
1: think that's the route we're going especially because there's like a really interesting thing here with Hank becoming the one who's obsessed with the ants and Scott kind of being moved away from the ants I think you know we were talking before this but you were kind of mentioning like some characters that Scott or some monikers Scott could take on aside from Ant-Man
0: Let's talk about that in a second. After we mentioned <laughs> Stinger Number Two, so we go back. We go back to the early twentieth, late nineteenth century, uh, and it's some kind of like you know traveling showman kind of vaudeville kind of setup in somewhere in a small theater, and a, the, a scientist named Victor Timely, played dun, by dun, dun. played by Jonathan Majors, is showing off what he claims to be his time machine, and in the audience. Our friends from the Time Variance Authority and elsewhere, uh, Mr. Mobius and Loki are sitting there watching him, and Loki says, "That's him. That's that's the bad guy. That's Kang." And Mobius is like, "Are you sure?" He seems him? great. He's like, it's He's great. <laughs> this seems awesome. And then we cut, and this very much seems to be a trailer for Loki season two. Yes. Like this is yeah. going to be some sort of uh, Kang launch into the rest of the universe. X-ray vision will be back. consumer cellular when freedom
1: calls we're here to answer call us at 1-888-FREEDOM half the cost savings based on cost of consumer cellular single line five gigabyte data plan with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plan offered by t-mobile and verizon may 2023
0: and we're back let's talk about our takeaways from this first we mentioned avengers forever This is a movie that feels, like, heavily edited. We'll talk about that in a second. Mm -hmm. Like, they definitely moved a lot of the deck chairs around all throughout the production process of this movie. It seems to me that if they go the Avengers Forever route, which we won't spoil, but you should read because it's... Very fun. It's really fun. It's 12 issues. It's really great. And uh, you'll get a lot of the backstory of Kang and Immortus and some of the other Kangs. But in that story, Immortus and Kang... End up kind of going head to head with their own set of allies, and Kang is kind of the good guy. Kang mm-hmm. kind of allies with the Avengers against Immortus and the things the Immortus wants to do. Which, uh, listen, I think that I think that Marvel looked at what Jonathan Majors is doing and kind of said. How do we make him kind of good? Yeah. How can we get a good version of Tang?
1: I absolutely agree with you. He's definitely, there's so many different iterations of the character that throughout history, it would be so easy for them to cast a version of Kang, whether it's Nathaniel Richards, whether it's, you know, a tired, kind of weary, aged Immortus, or whether it is actually Kang the Conqueror who comes back and realizes the error of his ways or realizes the only way he can get what he wants is to help the Avengers. We're definitely going to see a heroic version because Jonathan Majors can just sell it so hard. And literally, like, his performance in this movie is so good. I love the final episode of Loki is one of my favorite episodes of MCU TV because of Jonathan Majors. And this movie, his performance is so good that you understand why someone would be like... He's amazing. Let's just build a whole part of a franchise around him. Like, let's see what he can do. Let's...
0: uh, Tell us about your Victor Timely theory, which I like a lot.
1: Okay, so, spoiler alert for Victor Timely's, like, seven appearances. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. As the the listeners know, I like a strange character, so (laughs) I am a fan of Victor Timely. In the comics... (sighs) Victor Timely as I mentioned last week when I was the- when I was just talking about Kang variants and I didn't think that <laughs> Victor Timely would be in the movie um Victor Timely was a version of Kang who everyone thought was dead yep. and it to hide in space and time he went back in the past he went to the night he went to like 1902 and he founded this time uh, a town called Timely Wisconsin a nice reference to the old Marvel comics and basically he used his skills and intelligence and all of the weaponry and technology that he has known throughout the years to basically create a super technological town, even though it looked like kind of an old West town. He has a cool mustache like Jonathan Majors. So I my gut says, if they're going to do this they will end up doing what they did in the comics, which is this is really Kang, probably the Kang that we just saw. It's not like this true different version of Kang. This is a persona that Kang puts on to hide. I think the coolest thing, one, because I want him to be in every episode, I think that this Victor Timely is probably going to team up with Loki and Mobius and be like, yes, we must stop the other Kangs. Like I am just a a, a good old time traveler, like yay. But then we're going to learn at some point that he is actually... Kang, the Conqueror, who escaped from this part of the quantum realm.
0: The thing about Kangs, just as an aside, just as an aside, a Kang is they, aside. The thing about Kangs, and Immortus included, is they are all the time plotting against the other ta- Kangs. Like they have, they're they like
1: the pettiest motherfuckers. They call like,
0: these the Council of Cross Time Kangs. Hey, everybody show up. Meanwhile, like they're like. They're going to they like, like just to each other. Yeah, Gemma, they're like, like putting explosives again, <laughs> under one of their seats. Like one of them, they're like planning on stabbing in the closet. Like they're always, always, always plotting against each other. So I do, I like that. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we talked about is uh, Cassie's stature, and we kind of got it in this movie. Yeah,
1: she, she she turns giant. She has a giant hug with her dad. I think it will be really cool to see Cassie uh, on her own, like especially if they've established her as this kind of freedom fighter-esque, like, someone with big morals that could be really good for a young Avengers team. It's also going to be interesting because early on in the movie, in that kind of first like really swift 10 minutes that yeah. sets up the Quantum Realm stuff, Scott is wary of her being a hero. And I think that conflict is going to come into play. I also think it's interesting because I do think that Probably Scott is going to move away from the Ant-Man mantle, and it will be like Goliath or Giant Man, yeah. and you may even. Yeah, fine, you know, uh, in memory of Darren Cross. Yeah, in memory of
0: my good <laughs> friend say, Darren Cross, <laughs>
1: well, I, my brother. I have to say, look, man, I'm a I'm a, I'm a big Modok fan. Yeah. I love a cosmic beam. I'm not a hundred. I'm not hundred percent sold on the Darren Cross. Uh, Modoc, I hope that we will see a different version of Modoc in the future, but maybe that's unlikely. It is such a weird character to do, so maybe it's one of the ones where it's better to just do it in a unique way. But that, to me, was the biggest, like, that felt like a real solid, like, Rick and Morty joke. Like, you see Modoc and then you're like, yo, that's Darren, my friend from yeah. work. Like, that was the one where I felt like it really crossed over into that rather than being a reflection of all the things that inspired Rick and Morty. Because I think that's where those similarities come across. Is Rick and Morty draws so heavily from the comics. Let's
0: let's talk about the the uh, Rick and Morty of it all. So Jeff Loveness, uh, screenwriter behind this uh, this film, of course, uh, came up from the Rick and Morty pipeline. Like uh, so many Marvel, like talent. so many Marvel talents, uh, and it's it was interesting to see people say, "Oh man, this is like really influenced by Rick and Morty." when in fact... Rick and Morty Morty was influenced by this weird shit. By this weird shit, and it just kind of repackaged it, and everybody forgot. The
1: reason there's a Council of Ricks is because there's a Council of Kangs. Like, that comes directly from it. So it's kind of that interesting cyclical stuff, especially because the sci-fi of it all and the pulp of it all, that's been in the veins of this storyline since we were talking about, you know, Captain America 43 or something, like there's yeah. some old, or 23 or something, where it's like some old 40s comics where pop, written by a pulp writer. So yeah, it was definitely interesting to see that. The Modoc thing was the only one for me where I was like, that feels like it could be in Rick and Morty. Everything else, I was like, this is just someone who loved playing in that playground and with these genre tropes finally getting to do it in a way that's actually canon, which is really cool to see. And I love the inclusion of like Veb. I love like a weird monster. And I think David Dasmortian is so good. I missed seeing his character from Ant-Man. I missed seeing Louise, but I understand what the choices were that they made and why it needed to be this kind of expanded science fiction film.
0: I will say, so to, to think about the things that were changed, it is, I'm pretty sure there's a version of this movie where, all the secondary characters that you meet in the quantum realm, like Gentura, like Veb, like Quaz, got a Korg treatment where mm-hmm. you learned some of their backstory, and it feels like that really hit the cutting room floor. And secondarily, and I think this is like what people are responding to in some of the bad reviews, It, I think that if you gave Victoria Alonzo and Kevin Feige like the ability to snap their fingers.
1: Kang style. Can, you know,
0: like Thanos style, excuse me. and uh, And recreate the reality the way they wanted to I think that Kang would make his debut in like either an Avengers movie proper or Thor or somebody Man who's or Spider-Man or, or like an A-list yeah somebody who is not Ant-Man no disrespect to Ant-Man who I love and I, I I think the first Ant-Man movie is really really fun and I think the briefcase fight is maybe my favorite action scene in all of the Marvel movies I think the second one is good uh and I think Scott Lang, you know, fills a very specific niche in the MCU. I think if your supposition is that Kang, he's so scary that Janet doesn't even want to talk to about him anymore unless, you know, she mm-hmm. fucked him. But That's like, the version but I want to like, see. That yeah. was what was on the cutting room floor for me. He is this scary warlord who is is so scary that other versions of himself throughout the multiverse are scared of him. Then it's a little bit like, so he got beat by... The ants? <laughs> you he was know lang.
1: So, so this is, I think, another thing that I think people are reacting to. You are 100% right in the context of the MCU, right? But isn't that like the most comic book thing it ever? Is. That Kang would just get beaten by some random, yes. like lower tier hero who managed to see through I mean, him. It's so comic booky. The same way you pointed out after the cinema when I was talking about MODOK, you were like, that's so MODOK. Like, MODOK will come in and just get wiped out. He's and the He's first just first pages he's, of the, yeah, of the then issue Yeah, and out, right? And I think in that way, this kind of, same with I Found Multiverse of Madness. I think when the movies become very similar to the way that comic book narratives right. are told, where they're a little bit more like, you can be here for a couple of minutes, and then you're here, and yeah. some really wild powers happen, and the, and the stakes aren't necessarily as emotionally driven and grounded. That's not always going to sit well with people who grew up with Winter Soldier or people who really loved the early era of Iron Man, you know? This is a very different beast. And I do think that also, I wonder, this is not a think, it's more yeah. of a question. I wonder if people who really wanted it to feel different from phase four, I think that also might be a bit of a, a feeling because this feels to me like a. it's in that same wheelhouse.
0: Well, we're in that multiverse kind mm-hmm. of era and to that, you know, in, in that vein... Part of what, basically, all of what makes Kang so hard to fight is that he's got weapons that are a million years more advanced than anybody else's because he can time travel. He's fought everybody, every version of everybody, and so he's like a video game player with endless lives. Mm-hmm. He just like understands. He's a, he's a living cheat code. Yeah, he knows how to speed run every fight there is, and then he. Gets beat by the giant super smart ants, which I love. That said, it feels like the other thing that makes, I think, people maybe not so satisfied with that ending is that you. It. I could see a world in which you needed a setup for the ants. Like, and this is going to sound like a joke, but like Antony level character development for the ants so that there is a little bit of journey when the ants show up and Merc can. The
1: ants know, this is why, this is me. This is what I would have done. This would have been my bit that ended up on the, you know, the chopping room floor. I would say this. It's like the ants were so technologically advanced that they knew about Kang. They knew that he had this power and they basically hid their identity from him in every universe so they could beat him in this one universe. You could have like a 30 second to one minute kind of bit about something like that. But like you said, I really felt that the first two acts, there was a lot of, I felt like... uh, Maybe like a bit of puzzling putting together where there was probably a little bit more time
0: spent with each character. I do think you need that ant piece because... You know, it begs the question in future fights with Kangs. So can you just always beat him with ants? Where an are ant? the fucking ants? Can we go back to the quantum <laughs> realm and get the ants? Hank, bring hey, those fucking Hank. ants! Where are the ants, dude?
1: In like, in like four years, we'll <laughs> yeah, be like, like, we'll be like, oh shit, the ants—they came <laughs> back! Like, Kang that is, was the duex machina. It Kang was the ants. is like beating the fucking shit out
0: of all the Shang Chi. Thanos has come back. You're He's like, on their
1: side. It's him and Adam Warlock, and then just the ants <laughs> are the only thing <laughs> that like, can defeat somebody's him. Somebody's like, Hank the ants and it's like oh yeah the ants
0: I mean, Whoa, yeah. they come up like the last of us
1: bloaters like they're like, <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but that's I mean that's part of it that the movie is getting absolutely crushed on Rotten Tomatoes yeah which I think is I do think it's part of what you're saying this is a very com- this is this is a six issue arc that I would read in an Ant-Man mm-hmm, comic mm-hmm. Um, and I think it is it is it's if you're not in love with this world, it might be a little difficult to deal with. The other stuff, there's some critiques like of like Michael Douglas sleepwalking through this movie. I thought Michael Douglas was great. Oh, was great. I think if you're <laughs> gonna, like, to me, it's definitely not a, uh, a, uh, like, an Odin level. Literally an, o- like, Odin actually sleeps through his role. Yeah, <laughs> like, baby. Like, iconic. Like, that's, <laughs> part of his character is for large chunks of the movie. He's He's and then when he's silent. awake, he's just like, he's I'm asleep. dying. He's like, I'm dead, babes.
1: Okay, so currently it's at 52% when we recorded this, yeah. which is 5% higher than Eternals. So will it become the lowest rated MCU movie? I mean, Rotten tomorrow's. it's just subjective. It's just a bunch of different critics. I end up on there sometimes. You know, it's a bunch of different... Critics who come together. I was very happy to see when I was checking the Eternals. I mean, Rotten Tomatoes score seventy seven percent. People are coming around. People are, are coming, coming around. They're, They're coming around. Listening.
0: They're learning the good book of the Eternals and Chloe Zhao. You know what? I I need to watch it again. Hey, I watched it. I watched it a few months ago, hey. but I need to kind of watch it again because I will say that I liked.
1: And man, and
0: the Wasp Quantum Mania significantly more in the theater than I did initially. The Eternals, which is now, as you mentioned, climbing the ranks of the Tomato, the, the audience the, scores, the, the audience scores of the Tomato Machine. Um, but that's it. It is a wild, wacky movie.
1: If you love the MCU, you're going to be happy. It's a yes. wild MCU ride. Jonathan Majors, Jonathan Majors, Jonathan Majors, Jonathan Majors. I like your prediction. I feel like when we get like. You know, Kang Dynasty, it surprises us all. It's like not an Avengers movie. It's just like a solo Jonathan Majors Kang movie. Yeah. That's definitely going to be the Oscar.
0: I, I see it in his future. Kang is there. All the Kangs. The the Avengers are routed. And then you hear on your left. And the portals <laughs> open and it's ants. Every
1: Actually, I was just going to say before, I think we hit
0: every other we were right. But the one thing I want to
1: say, last week when Jason did his very good MCU uh, timeline of the Ant-Man family and I was kind of peppering in some little comic book footnotes. One thing that we did have a lot of fun talking about was how much Hank loves ants, yeah? Exactly. So I'm basically taking that as a we were right because Fucking that has not been ants. a part of the MCU in the way that
0: it was in this movie. So I'm saying it. I'm saying we were right. Let the ants like colonize the Savage Land and oh. let them just like live there. Anyway, Sounds cool. That's a free idea for Kevin Feige. Yeah, free with royalties. <laughs> yeah, up next, nerd out.
1: In today's Nerd Out, where you tell us what you love and why, or a theory that you're excited to share, which you know we love to hear, Grant tells us a very relevant theory about He Who Remains from season one of Loki. And Grant actually sent multiple emails to explain this theory. So Jason, I'll let you do okay. the reading.
0: Here's Grant. I was watching the finale of Loki again before Mania comes out, and something that always bugged me, that we didn't know... ...was that we didn't know where He Who Remains Palace is. I've always thought that the end of the multiverse saga would find us back with He Who Remains mm. at his palace, which is which led to my theory. He Who Remains Palace is located on the ruins of Battleworld. Oh, that's pretty cool. I love that. That's actually really cool. Also, He Who Remains says he won the multiversal war by taming Alioth... What if the snap-like event at the end of Kang Dynasty and the lead into Secret Wars is he who remains unleashing Alioth on the multiverse? I like that as well. Okay, sorry, one last thing. What (laughs) if the question of which timeline will become the sacred timeline is what Secret (sighs) Wars is fought over?
1: Oh, that's oh, good. Wow. All of
0: Earth's mightiest heroes brought from all the timelines to figure out which one is sacred. Okay, that's good.
1: Cool. I'm like, get hired, because that's I a know, good that's idea. I know, that's actually also, really good. think about that. That kind of takes my very good uh, Kevin Feige hire me idea of Deadpool being like hired by the TVA to, to kill, kill off all yeah. the timelines. I like this version better, where it's almost like all of them have to come together to fight alongside, but as they're doing it, they realize the only thing they can do is save one timeline, and they all basically have to choose which one, that would be really, really interesting. I
0: think that is really cool. I particularly like that the He Who Remains palace is built on the ruins me of Battleworld. That is really cool because
1: I think a lot of us, like a lot of people, had thought like, "Is it in the quantum realm?" Like I had a lot of people DM me asking me if that that was something that they thought could happen, and and I I really like that theory. But that one is really exciting to me because I like the idea that his ruins are in the remain of something that has already happened for him, but that we don't know about. That's very Kang.
0: And just for those of you who are. Uh, t- uh, aren't familiar with Secret Wars Battle World? basically in a post-incursion world, uh, the universe is remade by Dr. Doom, who creates this battle planet that is ruled by, uh, you know, by these different warlords and these different fiefdoms. Um, Where kind of every universe exists on one globe. On one globe. There's a universe of Thors. There's a universe beyond the wall, et cetera, et cetera. A universe of zombies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all in one planet. Um, That's a really cool... That's a really cool theory, Grant. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was the best. Thanks so
1: much, Grant. And if you have a theory, like Grant, or passions that you want to share, like so many of our other awesome nerd outs, hit us up at x-ray at crooked.com. As always, find those instructions in the show notes.
0: That is it for us, Rosie. Any plugs?
1: Uh, read the stuff that I've written Yay. about Ant-Man. If you want to know about Modoc, the real version, not the Darren Cross version, I wrote a big explainer at IGN. I have a cover story for Den of Geek that you can now read and it has some cool interviews with people like Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu. That was incredibly cool. Rachel Zegler, who was just a total delight, who are going to be playing the villainesses in Shazam. I also interviewed the director and the lead of that movie. So you can pick that up at Comic Shop or you can read it online. And uh, Rosie Marks at Instagram and Letterboxd. That's where you can find me, other than here, every week,
0: twice. In addition to the fact that we are now dropping twice a week, Wednesday and Fridays in your podcast feed, we are proud to announce that X-Ray Vision merch is available at the Crooked Store. That's right. You can get a X-Ray Vision Was Right t-shirt. You can get the t-shirt with the little wizard guy on it. Just chillin'. You can get all manner of X-Ray Vision merch at the Crooked Store. Now, some housekeeping. We're taking this coming Wednesday, February 22nd off because of President's Day. Which is Monday, but like, don't worry about it. That's when we record. That's just for us. Uh, <laughs> uh, that means our next episode is gonna be Friday, February 24th. We'll be covering The Last of Us. Yeah. And if you'd like to see us with your eyeballs as well as your ear holes, you can
1: subscribe on YouTube, where we now have full episodes of the show. If you wanna follow us on Twitter, it's at pod where we retweet cool stuff and share stuff about the show and talk to our fans. And Speaking of talking to fans, you can come to our Discord, which is absolutely amazing. and has a ton of great people in there, a bunch of great channels, all different spaces to talk about
0: your fandoms. And me and Jason are in there too. Five-star ratings, five-star reviews. We need them. We love them. We got to have them. Here's one from student at a community college. Hilarious. Show never fails to make me laugh. The creators are extremely knowledgeable about their topics and their interviewees are always interesting. Thank Aww. you so much, student of the community college. Thanks. X-Ray Vision is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Chris Lord and Saul Rubin. The show is executive produced by myself and Sandy Gerard, our editing and sound design is by Vasilis Fotopoulos. Dylan Villanueva and Matt DeGroote provide video production support. Alex Rellaford handles social media. Thank you, Brian Vasquez, for our theme music. See you next time. Janet King. <laughs>